If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Justin, you want to do the honors and introduce our, uh, are we going? Should I, should I start with Lord? Is that is that appropriate? Uh, only if you're in church. Um, I like that. How did that happen, <laughs> dude? Like, if that seriously is a title that you that have, is that's my amazing. Actual title. Yeah, I love. Fuck, that. I love that. So I, I got actually. Um, I'll, I can. Are we on air? I can Lord tell you. Lord Jason right. Allen Scott. Everybody Lord, is in Lord. the studio. He is a Lord. Val- yes. Yeah, well, actually, one of the, actually one of the more interesting people we've uh, we've yeah. uh, no, had I'm, the I'm very opportunity excited. of meeting with. Extremely handsome, um, but in a rugged way, and really, really dressed. You dress very nice. Thank you very much. I don't do a good job dressing yeah, you myself. See how we do that? We had like Anaton on here. He was like dressed in the nines. I think we're trying to step our game. I don't up, know. I'm, uh, I'm happy that Justin's here because it always makes me feel <laughs> like you dressed up. I'm not the worst dressed. I'm, I'm, I'm hey, there. Hey, well, man. if you guys, if you guys haven't figured it out, I don't keep trying me. to bring these types of guests on to help you guys out. Is that here, what so that is? I, I feel like I'm outnumbered mm. whenever we talk. Says about the guy fashion. who wears sweats in a sport coat. Hey, yeah, but you better believe that shit. Close deals, bro. Close deals. I could still pull it off, though. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. So, how did you get your Lord? How does that work? Yeah. So, I married Lady Lavana Anthea Grafton. Now, how she became a lady. That sounds so British. Right? I mean, she is. She was super yeah, British. That's is great. King Henry VIII was a Catholic king. And he wanted to really screw the Bolin sisters. Can I say screw? Yeah. Oh, say okay. fuck. <laughs> you, know, you know, bro. You're a mind publisher. <laughs> so he really wanted to bang the Bolins. And he couldn't because he was Catholic and he was the king of England. And he didn't know where he was going to do it. And he needed a shag pad. So he went out to this house in the middle of the hills. And he said, if you let me shag my woman here, I'll make you guys royalty. So as far as the eye can see, you can have the land. And when you own land, you become a baron. Barons became lords and ladies. So purely because of that, she became a lady. I was lucky enough to marry a lady. I became a lord. And when I flew up here, I got stuck because apparently there's a Jason on Scott in Canada with an arrest warrant. So they threw me in this room with 262 Mexicans. <laughs> and they were like, you're they probably going to go back. No, they really don't. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the guy came over and he's like, I'm really sorry. And if you didn't have those arrest warrants in Canada. And I was like, really? I said, can you do me a favor? Can you just look up um, Lord Lord Jason Scott? And he went, um, he went excuse me? He went, um, it, just, it says on the uh, on my passport, yeah. it's, it's Lord Jason. And he went, oh, hold on a second. He went, oh, I'm so sorry, um, oh. your sir. Oh, your Highness, honor. Your, uh, Let me get on. Um, yeah. I was like, there's no need to curtsy, although I like you on your knees. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Thank you so much. <laughs> one hour, one hour in your airport security. It was insane. It stunk of Taco Bell and I just wanted oh, to get out. Man. And they were like, he really doesn't seem to You gotta to use that in. more often, it sounds I, I, like. Yes, yeah. it does. You do always get a table in a So from now on, Lord. Lord, yeah, just, just the Lord, Lord is here. I love yeah. it. Oh, I absolutely That's would use favorite. that. Favorite. I absolutely <laughs> would. Oh, dude. You, oh, you wouldn't be a Lord, though. No. No, no you'd be a Sir. A sir. Yes. Yeah. Sir Squire. Adam. Sir Adam. Sir Adam. The Squire? Is that what you just fucking call it? I didn't say Squire. He said Squire. It sounds like Squire Schaefer. It sounds like a thing. Yeah. So in other words, I'd carry your shit around. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, what he's he's the guy that plays the flute behind you as you walk. It could be worse. Towns yeah. could say, you know, where's the village Elliot when you here? So yeah, <laughs> for sure. That I want to be the guy with the uh, uh, coconuts behind making the making the sound of a horse. <laughs> Can I just tell you, like Monty Python's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Why? Okay, so here's the thing. He's English, but he didn't make it, and he, and he didn't own it. I love it. Every time I meet an English person, yeah. people are like, "Oh my god, my favorite movie." 
It's like some English movie. Like, like, I basically did yeah. that. Like, yeah, I I, I yeah, you know, you, I know you're behind that. That silly war campaign was purely yeah. based on how I walk around. That was, it's my entire world right there. Yeah. So, uh, so we got to talk about uh, why you're so interesting. You are like the ultimate entrepreneur. I mean, yeah. you've started businesses mm-hmm. and many, many different businesses mm-hmm. and you've helped other people and you've worked with other entrepreneurs and talk about that. Like, how did that start? How did you do that? I mean, you have a very interesting story. Um, thank you. Um, most of the things I've started have started because of selfish reasons. And it's my, my dad's thing is everything in my life can come down to the pyramid. And the pyramid is, does it get me laid, get me paid or make me lose weight? Oh, I That's like been my big thing. So when I, when I became single again at 33 and I got divorced, I was like, I need a wingman. I need to go to bars and pick up girls. And all my friends were married and all my friends had girlfriends and no one wanted to be my wingman. And I'd go to a club and I was like, how are they going to know who I am? I need, that's how I'm going to get laid. Like if they just know who I am, and which, which made total sense in my head. And um, <laughs> I was like, and people were going, there's no way you're going to find a way that you can, you can get girls to come onto you. And I was like, of course, beauty pageants, judges get laid. Oh, hey, like every one Trump of them, right? right? Thank yeah. you very yeah. much. Yeah. Look at Donald. He's yeah. getting it. Hey man. Mark Anthony. Brilliant. Mark Anthony's like Mrs. Universe, two of them. So I was like, okay, here we go. There's something there. Thank you very yeah. much. So I invented this thing called Miss Clubs where we'd go around to clubs and the girls would have to flirt. And the more they flirted, the more chips they got. And whoever had the most chips at the end of the night became Miss Clubs. But as a judge, mm. I had 1,000 chips. throwing it up in there. Oh, yes. Hold on a second. It, you, it, it sounds like our version of Mardi Gras. That's what it that's sounds like. That's literally what it was like. That's exactly we what need it was to pause. Like. We need to pause and just, that is the most brilliant yes. idea I've ever Thank heard in my entire much. life. So, so Mind Pump hosts. Oh, you uh, got to do What are we going to call it? Yeah. You got to do like a, do something, uh, like something to do with yeah. mind pump heads or something. So was that one of your first businesses? So that was my no, no, my no, no, first business. Yeah. yeah, so my first business was a circus. So I, um, I was. <laughs> what? I, I know it makes no sense. I grew up in a really small. Um, we call them like a slum, like a little slum village. So everyone knows everyone, and, and everyone was talking about these circuses that were coming through town, but no one could afford to go. And I was like, well, that seems easy. Just give me the money, and I'll get the circus. And, and truth be told, I only really saw as far as giving me the money that <laughs> I'd go to a circus. Um, and I came home, my grandmother's Irish, and I came home and I was like, Grand, Grand, I made all this money today. And she's like, how did you make it? And I was like, well, I sold circus tickets. And she's like, wow, how long have you been working for the circus? And I was like, I, I don't work for the circus. <laughs> just, I just thought it'd be a great idea. And my, she was like, really? Anyway, she slapped me over the back of the head and she said, mm. go out and get all the kids to make up a circus. That was my first business ever. So I had a kid pretending to be a lion, another kid with like a stick hitting the first kid and everyone laughed. And I thought it was like a comedy show. <laughs> and I did really well. And my, in fairness, my dad was the first entrepreneur in our family. He started a metal shaving business. So my entire life, my grandfather swore that there's no such thing as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs were just really smart criminals. Mm. And my dad was the first entrepreneur. Kind of makes sense now. Makes total sense, right? When I look at Adam, yeah. When I look at Adam, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, so he he starts making money. We move out of this this little slum that we grew up in. My my grandfather, as I could have, was an alcoholic and he cut himself and he was bleeding out, long story short. He calls my dad up and he's like, listen, I'm going to the hospital. I want to know how you made all this money because I don't believe you're an entrepreneur. And my dad says, you've, 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 no, you went to the harbor and you found out we were taking wheelbarrows of dirt. We were going through the dirt, finding metal shavings, selling the metal based on weight and making a fortune. And my grandfather was like, rubbish. Anyway, he goes to the hospital. Nurse says, you're bleeding out. You, know, you drink too much whiskey. The blood's pouring out of you. She phones up my dad and he's like, I don't think I'm going to make this. You better tell me the truth. And my dad's like, what do you want to know? Like I told you before, you went to the harbor, you double checked. Anyway, third time, phone rings. I never forget, I'm sitting with my dad. My dad answers the phone and he goes, what do you mean? It's really bad. And the nurse is like, listen, he's bad. My father says, okay, 
we were stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, two to 500 wheelbarrows a day. We'd go in, fill them with dirt. They'd check the dirt. If anything was in it, we'd be like, nope, the dirt is clean. Walk on out, come back in, grab some more wheelbarrows. And that was it. Like after that, I was like, this is amazing. I can just come up with an idea and sell it. So the next business I started is I went to Thailand and I started a thing called swimming.com. And it was like, we'll teach people to swim. And it didn't work. Like no one wanted to know how to swim. That would be ridiculous. And then God sent me the tsunami. And oh suddenly God. everyone wanted to know how to swim. And we, on, <laughs> I, like, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with how much was coming through. Hold on a second. Uh, God, God sent me the he tsunami. He sent me the tsunami. It was like a little gift to me. He was like, you know what? I'm going to extend this wave and it's going to hey, make man. you a fortune. When life sends you lemons, so That's right? what I'm saying. You, yeah. make, you get or tequila and the, yeah, case, yeah. You, you do shots. And I was yeah. like, I started every lesson by saying, if you see a tsunami, you can't swim through it. But thank you for your money. You've been teaching you how to swim. And uh, and we did really well. Like, oh, my God. That blew great. up. That did great. Wow. Yeah. And then I, uh, yeah. And that was a, that was the first real big business I ever made and sold. Um, and then I started a whole bunch of the little sort of things that got like Eco Disco and uh, Perry Nays, which is a mixture of Perry Perry sauce, like Tabasco with mayonnaise. <laughs> and <laughs> again, like such a random, easy thing. But I was like, you took Tabasco in mayo, you shake it up. And Perry Nays, like Perry Perry sauce, mayonnaise, and that'll do well. Sold it to a big restaurant franchise, and that did really, really well. Um, so yeah, I think it's just this, it's this idea of of like of looking at something differently. So like even gym membership, right? Like this mm. is one thing that we've all got in common. Right. So I go into this gym, and I'm like, I really want free gym membership, and it's the coolest gym, and the girls are stunning, and they're all coming out, and I'm like, I really, and like, well, it's it's a hundred, two hundred dollars a month, and I'm like, I can't afford that. What if I sold gym membership? And they were like, well, then we'll give you, you know, you could work here for free. And I was like. I'll do that. I'll 100% do that. But I couldn't sell a gym membership. I just didn't have that thing where you do the cold calls and you go out to see members and I said, there must be an easier way. So I'd go to HR managers and say, well, what if you have like a gym membership that's part of the job role and they get to hang out with really cool people? And they were like, well, what kind of cool people? And I was like, we got the coolest people in the world at our gym. It's bullshit. We didn't have anyone in the gym. <laughs> it was just a shitty gym. But I was like, how cool would it be to be in a sauna with like the the the... CEO of Forbes magazine or this guy or that guy. And we're only taking a thousand members and it was a whole urgency sale. Mm. And before I know it, it was the, it's to this day, the biggest pre-sale in the history of gym memberships for Virgin gyms worldwide. I've pre-sold the gym. Yeah. You and Richard Branson is coming yes. up and he's like, I'm going to hire you to be my consultant. I just went around teaching yeah. people how to make sales. It's too bad. You're not a fascinating person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad. Just, just, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, you just got to have a lot of balls. I mean, I mean, really, yeah, I mean, so a lot of these ideas that's that you're it. saying, if, if someone were to tell the average person, they'd be like, that's not going to work. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. But it's, but you just had the balls and you did it. Yeah. It's almost that it's almost that easy, but it's not right. It's still yeah. difficult. It's very hard. It's the hardest part is 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 the belief to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the idea. That's the hardest. That's by the far. toughest part is you convincing yourself. That's the first sale. Like, what, do I believe in this enough to give it a shot to try it? And then it's that first client, that first person that goes, "I'll buy it. I believe in it. It works. Mm -hmm. It seems like a good idea." I mean, this is going to sound terrible. I apologize ahead of time to all those people that I duped many, many years ago. But when I was about- We've done many of Okay, these, thank so God. Don't, don't worry. So like at 23, where I made my first big bit of money is I found these like Prozac pills. They call Lorian. And the side effect of them is you'd lose mass amounts of weight. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I would, I would go and like make my own supplement company that was called Scott's Shits. Um, what? It, was just, it was just S star 
S. And I was like, this will make you lose so much weight. And I would just sell this on like everyone come to me and like, can we get the stuff? And before like wrestling or swimmers or bodybuilders. Oh and, and they were like so laid back. <laughs> it's like, it's the best pills ever. I'm so relaxed. I keep losing weight. And I'm like, it's, it's really good for you as well. It's really good and um, I did that for about a year. Uh, we sold that business off. Um, yeah, wellness, wellness clinics worldwide. I think we did quite well. And yeah, and it was just that idea of like, if I, if I bought it, if I'd buy it, if I believed in it, and I think I do believe in the pyramid of money, you know, mm-hmm. lose weight, get laid, get paid. You're always the pyramid. So what led you to where you're at now? So now, now we're working with, uh, so you put on big events Is that yep. what you do for, for like celebrities and people yep. like that. So anything from Avatar, Dark Knight, Mamma Mia, Sex and the City. Um, I've hosted, I've hosted the, the John, Attack the Block, the new guy from Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Um, oh, yes, dude. yes. Where was my invite, bro? <laughs> Sorry, there was nothing for that. I got nothing. I got zip. It's all, it's all good. Um, so yeah, so I got really lucky. I, I did the premiere. The very first party I ever did was a, a film called Miami Vice with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. Right, right. Nice. And I was a Miami Vice fan. Like I was like, oh, I can do that backwards. And I threw this party in Leicester Square in London. And it was just, it was huge. And it did really, really well. And everyone was talking about it. They're like, it was a great party to go do another one. And I went to see Warner Brothers and they were like, we're doing this thing. It's called The Dark Knight and we don't know how well it's going to do. Um, but this is the style book. Come up with some ideas. And I came up with like jet black burgers that were ink injected and like the whole thing about this dark and black and all the girls wearing these black outfits. Didn't like that ninjas. turn into the, the Burger King did that? Burger King did it. Yeah, we That's did really well. It, it's, oh, wow. We sold that off to, yeah, yeah. to a couple of places, licensing. I remember Licensing that. was big. God, I don't even remember that. You, you don't? Oh, no. I totally remember that. Yeah, the commercials for it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's I, don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. So, so, so how did that, that event go with the Dark Knight? So Dark Knight was amazing. Dark Knight did incredibly well. The film went on to be huge. Yeah, Warner Brothers was. had a really good relationship with me after that. So I got to do quite a few big Warner Brothers events. Um, and then because Warner Brothers did well, Marvel, well, actually it wasn't Marvel at the time, but it was the first Iron Man franchise. Mm. And they came and they had a chat and I did Iron Man, which was amazing. And I think the big thing was, is that I could, I could create these events that, that left you with a memory, that left you with this something that you talked about, whether it was the Black Burger or whether it was this, the, the smell you got when you went into the rooms or whether it was the fact that I, I would, I'd come up with really clever takeaway bags or goodie bags or treats or just one thing extra that they weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hold a really good secret. So like some of these parties are, are pretty mental mm. and I'll just, I'll bite down and not say anything. And uh, that meant I got another one and another one and, and it just sort of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, and yeah, that became a thing. And before I knew it, I was kind of doing mass events all over the world for like anything from, <clears throat> I said, Sex and the City, Dark Knight, Mamma Mia, to massive CEO events, Unilever, the launching of the Lynx Body Campaign, to, yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest, listening to you with, with, with what you're doing now, I'm thinking to myself, well, he must have known someone to start. Like, you must have had a connection. Because if I wanted to do that, I'd think, well, how the fuck am I going to do that unless yeah. I know somebody? Yeah. How did mm-hmm. that happen? Yeah. How did you get that, what you're doing now, started? So when I was when I was working in gyms uh, for pre-sales, I met this girl called Joe Joe Barnard, and she was she was amazing. She used to sell to the Navy. So she'd go in, she's incredibly hot, and she'd flirt and do whatever, and she ended up getting this huge naval contract, and, and she joined me for the pre-sales. And one day she called me up, and she was like, if you think you're making money in membership sales, events. There's no one in sales and events. It's just... It's prima donnas. It's really good looking girls. It's promo girls. It's, it's promo club guys. Mm. You know, they're not selling. They're just, they're just, you know, getting the event in and then doing what they can do. If you can sell an events game, you're on another level. Um, 
and I, I went out and I went to see all these really bad clubs and bars and I was like trying to pitch myself and it didn't work in fairness. And then out of nowhere, I got a call from this, and it was pure luck. I got a call from this woman and she was like, we got this film coming up. It's called Miami Vice. Um, we'd like someone to do the after party for it. And it was just their first one. And once I got that and I could do it. Then people know you. Then the it, was, it just started expanding a little bit. Someone was like, oh, is it the Miami Vice party? And I really loved how everyone had rolled up jeans and tucked in jackets. And, you know, it was all the blue pastels. And you did that smell of bubble gum in every room. And can you do this thing for us? And then it was the Sweet 16. And there was a thing for MTV. And then it was, and it just kept, it kept going. But also because I'm sales, I would be on the phone. I would do cold calls all day long. I would, you know, I'd call the nearest companies, the nearest clubs. I would, I would pitch and I still do. I pitch every single day mm. and I would pitch like, I've got this great idea for this film. I believe you've got this film coming out and it's called, um, so what was another big film? Like Attack the Block. And I was like, I love who you've got in the film. And I know that Jonathan Ross is in it. But in my mind, I'm thinking if I can get Jonathan Ross to come to a party and Jonathan's friends with Eminem, then I can get Eminem to come to a party. If I get M to M comes to a party, I can get Dr. Dre to come. To- and I'm always kind of, it's, we call it 12 step ahead thinking. It's just like, sort of judo way who knows thinking. this person who knows 100%. that person and your network is your net worth mm-hmm. yeah that's fantastic <laughs> yeah it's interesting listening to your story i know a lot of uh i, I don't, don't know a lot but i know a few people like yourself who've you know done real well for themselves and kind of started out as you know you got to hustle you got to get 100%. out there and make it happen and it's interesting you're telling a lot of stories from when you were younger where maybe you were a little unscrupulous but now of course as you get older you end up learning that you have to conduct business differently in order to grow even larger Definitely. obviously you've learned that lesson right i've learned that myself i mean as a young membership sales guy man i used to say crazy shit we used to do crazy shit in the gyms it yeah. was wall street in the gym matter of fact we've talked about doing it all like a, a tell-all book you know what it was like in the late 90s and early 2000s to work in the fitness industry in california and uh Must let me tell amazing. you we will burn ridiculous bridges like nobody will ever <laughs> talk to us again if we tell those yeah, types we of just stories don't care anymore yeah, That's yeah. The problem. so so doing that now, so now you're, that's why you're here. You're doing some of that stuff here in the States. Right. Yeah, 100%. So we're building an app. Um, so the thing is, is that I, I was on honeymoon with my wife in April last year. And I read this book. And I, and I think everyone's already read it. I'd never read it. Never heard of it. Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing about it. I kept hearing about it. And I was like, okay, so what's the big deal about this book? And, you know, in, be- in between, sorry, darling, in between sessions, I needed something to to wait. And um, <laughs> for the bag to kick in. And I was like, oh, I'll just read this book. <laughs> and um, I'm reading this book for our work week. And I'm saying to her, have you read this? This is amazing. And it's all about like not being there and still creating wealth. And, and she was like, yeah, well, I don't know if it really works. And I was like, but no, it's not about like actually working four hours. It's about creating things that are automated and scalable and, and that carry on. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was just the thing. And then after that, I was like, okay, how am I going to come up with something? Right. And then he talks about Pareto's law, you know, that 20% that's going to bring you 80%. Right. And I thought, okay, 20% of what I do that brings me the most amount of money is I teach people how to sell in events, how to sell events. Like, how does it work? And I was like, if I could find a way to make that a technological piece. And then it came up with this idea for Venue Me, this, this app that would combine Uber with Groupon. It would find venues on a geolocator that all said, pick me, pick me, pick me for your event, your opening, your whatever. But at the same time, each one had to say, this is my special offer to choose me that it created this dialogue medium. Mm. And I was like, I love that. That works. Like my favorite, you guys are Instagram and mm, podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, it's Twitter. It's like that that constant stream of talking to right. anyone in the world anytime. And that dialogue. And I was like, if I can create an app piece that creates for event people, because event people are, we're in the dark ages. Like, you know, we're, we've still got those those computer screens that look like Beyonce or flat in the front or big in the back. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, damn it, man, this is ridiculous. Um, so if I can come up, and no one's got an app for this. There's no, especially not in the UK. And I started speaking to people in New York and California and Chicago. And they're like, yeah, why don't we have an app that helps us find venues and events and, and gives us free champagne or lets us go to a place and take over a club or a restaurant or a dead space. 
So, and, and funny enough, in that world, I've got no connections, like zero connections, or at least I thought. And then the more people I sort of spoken to, they said, oh yeah, I know this guy who used to work at Apple, I know this guy, and he kind of, he started this little thing called Facebook. And I was like, wow, that'd be good. I would, I could talk to, to that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that's connected, but it sort of hooked me up while I'm here. And I'm pretty much seeing five people a day, every day for seven days. Um, which is which is something else. So um, so you're going to be doing this for event planners, but could, do you see in the future how potentially something like this could get kind of do the job of an event planner or decentralize kind of that type of job? Um, no, because I think most event planners are party planners. Like they just want to plan the party. They don't right. want to get the business. express their creativity and 100%. all those things. Details, so this yeah. so this would allow them the opportunity to focus mainly on that. Then that's it. They could never have to do. It. So they so we did a survey. And we asked uh, 1,000 event planners, what would you rather do? Give up sex for a month or make another cold call? And they all said, give up sex. And I was like, I'll take all that sex for your phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and And I was like, okay, so this app would make you never have to pick up the phone and call a blind company or a blind film company or try and pitch at your venue to someone random. It would do all that for you. So sales would just stop. So we oh, would no longer. It's brilliant. Think. You're creating the middleman. You know? yeah. 100%. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the hope and dream is that we can create something. That's it's almost fascinating. That there's something that doesn't exist like that already. Th- that's in all other in other every other business. I feel like we've we've kind of figured that out. You know, there's yeah. there is. And I can't believe there's nothing like that right now. How smart is that? Well, so, so this is something that uh, you're making right now. You're in the middle of it. What, what, where are you guys at? And did you guys just start? So I started off with the idea and the concept, and I thought that I would need something called a CTO, which I'd never heard of, all right? This this chief technical officer, someone that could talk to me about the the technical piece and how it works. So I, I took on this guy, and he seemed to be absolutely shit hard at what he did. And um, and I kept doing these events where I spoke about stuff, and then I'd, I'd pitch venue me somewhere in it. And he never turned up to any of these events. And eventually, I got invited to this big tech event, like Hackathon. And, and he pitched up and I was like, wow, amazing. Finally, I got you with me. And the very first tech people we went to go speak to had this AI app called Roger. Um, and said, this is my CTO. And this guy went, oh, amazing. What, do you, what, do you, what language are you building the app in? And he went, English. Hmm. And the guy was like, no, no, no. What, what language? And he, was, <laughs> he was like, um, maybe Spanish. <laughs> and I was like, um, so I pulled him aside and I was like, so do you know anything about technicals? And he was like, well, kind of. Like I've read Wired magazine. And, um, <laughs> oh, I was like, man. oh shit. So so on the podcast, like, I've got a little podcast. And on the podcast, I, I have to fire him because I realized that I hired this guy who doesn't, he's bullshitted his way into the job. And he oh, actually doesn't no. know anything. He's like, he's learning as I'm learning. How long did he think that was going to last? He survived three yeah. months. Like, like, <laughs> I've been dragging him to events and I've been pushing him oh, forward. No. And, and he's, he's, he's absolutely bullshitted brains every time with me, like throwing things in. And I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. This yeah. reminds me of that guy that was doing the sign language, you know. <laughs> but, but like Nelson, Nelson Mandela's Mandela. funeral? Oh, That's exactly what it's, it's like. It's like the, the, the funniest, <laughs> worst thing I've ever seen all at once. It's yeah. like a charades game, like yeah. three words right. moving <laughs> sounds it's like, like you know, what are you doing shit up, you know like hey they don't know what I'm doing well, you, gotta, you gotta hire that guy for something he, he got you that long for three months right he's gotta be good in sales he's I was, great at sales yeah. I'm totally gonna hire wow. him back yeah, exactly. sales, yeah move him uh, over to that department. so well maybe yeah. I, I didn't I fired his ass yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So it's just it's a little it's, dishonest it's really yeah. dishonest and it freaked me out because I was like shit I, then I finished it well, I got him really really drunk and I was like by the way how did you know all that stuff and he was like I used to watch this TV show called uh, Silicon Valley and, no. uh, um, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> shit, man. Well done to I you. I love that show. Yeah, well, that now is, I'm going to have to watch not, that. Yeah, no, it's a hilarious show. It's nothing you're going to get like any 
education from. I'll tell you that. Well, oh. he did. He he was pretty like he was throwing out some things to me uh, like, like buzz cost of terms acquisition. And yeah, clack. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the chap on that? And I was like, oh, I don't man. even know what that is. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm doing this completely and utterly by myself. Wow. And I'm in fairness, I'm using the the podcast as a way to lubricate my opportunity to meet people. Go ahead and plug your podcast. Give us a name. Sorry, thank you. It's the guest list podcast. Okay. Who's on the guest list? Mm. And I'm, I'm purely using it because I'll get to speak to someone and then I'll get to pitch them. And they can say, well, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And then I'll add that to my business plan quickly. Like, have I written that down? And and in a way, it's scary because I have been lucky enough to, to make money in all these other things. And now I'm just throwing it into the freaking app like this this really, really angry ex-wife that's just, give me more, <laughs> give me more. And I'm like, can't keep handing money yeah. out, babe. Stop ordering the guacamole at Chipotle. So this, yeah, that, this, one's, that one's close to home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We all, we all suffer from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the podcast itself, like you're just kind of telling the story of this whole process. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and it's like one, one-on-one, like, so you're taking it with you, like to these meetings and yeah. stuff. Okay. So I've got a, I got an interview with a, a guy who's a, a big investor all around the world. And we're 33,000 feet in the air. And I've managed to absolutely bullshit my way into business class just so I can sit next to him. And then I've got this recorder on and I'm pitching him, venue me. And he's he's turning around and saying, well, if I were you and I was pitching it, I wouldn't use this word. And I'd, I'd try and think of it in simpler complexes of terms and not so complex. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, are you recording this? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm recording it for my podcast. And he's like, right, I don't know what a podcast is, but um, sure, yeah, record that. I'm like, thanks, man, thanks very much. <laughs> and then, uh, so I'm, I'm doing that. And like, even the very first one, it's it's just dropped into a conversation of like me and this woman who who started the biggest event agency that's worth hundreds of millions. And I was asking her like, how do you do it? Because it's, it is all an education. Like every day is a school day. I'm just constantly learning stuff. And in my industry, there's very little that I can still learn because our industry is, it's kind of easy. It's get them in, get them drank, get them fed, get them home safe. Like that's the whole piece of events. Mm. That's, you know, this. have you heard the, uh, or have you listened to the podcast uh, Startup? Have you, have you listened to that podcast? So I, I just mm-hmm. heard it yesterday. Oh, no way. Yeah. So I was, I, was, I was talking to this woman, I was explaining my story and she went, so basically you're, you're doing a podcast on starting your own company. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, have you heard of this thing called startup? And I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, I only listened to Mind Pump, Joe Rogan, and um, and like That's one other boy. show. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you really have to expand that. Um, I was like, right, okay. Like, I'll, nah, I'll I'm, good. That. I'm no, good. No, I'm good. Like three. Yeah. What, I'm how good. much time do I think I have? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've, I'm, I've listened to it yesterday and it was okay. amazing. Oh yeah. Gimlet no, Media. I, yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know how far you are now, but that's definitely a cool- a Did cool they, Are they still posting- uh, episodes because I thought they yeah they went on hiatus I, they I, fell hiatus. Off. I fell off it was yeah. I but I know that what he'll do he'll do the same thing we do he'll listen to it and your wheels will start turning you're like oh okay this gives me some really clever right. ideas on how I should structure this so mm-hmm. yeah I mean when it's we, very well produced I mean it's definitely incredible. a higher quality produced production well, what is what, what is that term where that that phrase entrepreneurship is what jumping out of a plane and then making a parachute on the way down yes yeah, yeah exactly. that's it right it's I mean it's we started mind pump none of us did this show. we never no. did, been in front of a mic I or, can't even talk amazing. yeah we've never done any <laughs> like this before and then we just said okay let's go for it yeah. but i think that's that's kind of when i talk to people like you that's what they all have in common yeah because mm-hmm. then you ask them well what made you do that like, i don't know i just did it yeah. and why do you think you could it's i saw an opportunity i never thought i could put yourself yeah. there yeah. yeah so it's pretty fascinating yeah well i was talking to someone at the at, the, at this body expo last year where i bumped into craig 
And I was saying, do you listen? To, obviously, I was asking everyone. Like I said, I could walk up to Dorian Yates. And I was like, do you listen to Mind Pump? Uh, uh, <laughs> He's like, no, should I? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you should. We should definitely Oh my God, does Dorian Yates do listen to Mind Pump? So I will, next time I speak, I'll find out. <laughs> and um, and I was talking to someone about the show. And they were like, um, I remember watching it when I first started. And Justin never used to speak. <laughs> and you guys were just constantly on him. Like, yeah. Justin, do you want to say something? Yeah. <laughs> and all you heard was Adam going, should we introduce ourselves, Sal? Sal, could you take a second? Could you, could you just mention who's in the room, please? Like, and you've come so far since That's that it's, it's amazing yeah in it's, some ways we have in some ways we <laughs> no we would just i i you know uh i think uh, my girl is probably probably one of our biggest fans and she definitely doesn't bullshit me she's the first one to call me on my shit and she's also the first one too to let us know that like you know the evolution of of doing this has been has been pretty crazy i mean when we first shot uh, first started we were full of energy and i think that kind of mm. carried us you know we were excited yeah. about the you know what we wanted to talk about we were excited about uh, our mission uh, we knew that there was a need for this in the industry. Mm. So we I, I think our, our passion carried us through like the first hundred episodes or so. <laughs> and then I think right. after, you know, lots of feedback from, you know, fans and stuff like that, telling us what they enjoy more of and less of. And I think we kind of put together and I, and what's been na- neat about it is we've never structured anything. We've never, you know, just like how we did it with you right now. We just, mm. this is how we do every episode. We put the mics on headphones on, and then we just kind of let it go. And I think the, the, the best feedback we've ever gotten is that authenticity is that mm. man you guys keep it real and uh, you know and we're the first ones to admit our flaws and we and people just appreciate that there's just not a lot out there there's not a lot of genuine real people out there that are starting businesses it's always got an angle and it always comes off that way well man. i think it's important when you tell people about how, you know starting mm. businesses that most of us don't know what the fuck we're gonna we're doing yeah. we don't know yeah. like you start and you have no idea and you learn as you go along mm. and that's a lot of what entrepreneurship is that's 100%. a big part of there is there's is. there's both sides because I feel like th- that's what we have in common because obviously the the five of us in this room right now are a lot like that but there's the other side of people that are like the you know total overanalyze everything and build a business plan out and say they've got everything mapped out before they even think about putting one foot in you know we're the opposite you know we're like oh we'll figure it out we'll run into a few walls and then we'll fucking figure it out (laughs) we learn we like to learn the hard way but that's just i mean to each their own you know everyone has a different style about how they 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 approach things and i think what has drawn all of us together is we all kind of have a similar mentality that we all have little pieces that are different Uh, justin and doug are definitely more like each other than that and you and i are definitely more like each other and yeah uh, winging it more. So uh, you, I heard you on another podcast a while ago. Tell some stories about grow- oh yeah about growing up. GDS yeah. and and you you so you've been stabbed a bunch of times. Been shot. Been shot. Right. Been yeah. shot. Kidnapped. Yeah, you talk were. About yeah, that. you were kidding hold about on, the hold on a stabbed, shot, and kidnapped. Yeah, and not on the same we night. We already no. covered that he's a lord. Yeah, so he no. rose again from the dead. Yeah. So God kind of owed you with the tsunami and shit like well, that. that. That's <laughs> the thing, right? Like, I see. I put my time in God. Come on. Give me I, something here. Yeah. As a kid, I had no luck. As an yeah. adult, I've been incredibly lucky. Like without question, there's some serious karma backlash. Um, I, I grew up in this area of Brooklyn rugby, which is which is like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm told it's a lot like Brooklyn in the US. Right, like right. This, it's, it's these tower blocks and, and um, we're all a very tight community and it's run by gangs and our gangs are numbered. So we got the uh, the 32s, the 34, and the 36. The 32 robs you. The 34 robs you, rapes you, and kills you. The 36 kills you, robs you, and rapes you. 
<laughs> that's a little scary. <laughs> it's like, okay. Hey, um, man. Hey. Yeah, there's no need for that. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> cross, crossing the line. In uh, fairness, I'd rather be killed and then raped right. than the other around. But true. still, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a real big thing. And also, when they, when they, this is a horrible topic. When they rape you, they only do it in missionary style. So oh. you can look them in the eyes. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty heavy. You know what, twisted when I, shit. When, uh, I think, when I think about yeah. that, I would prefer uh, from the back. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, would I. I don't want to see what's going on. I don't, no, no, uh, just, no just connection the there. there. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so I grew up in this really bad neighborhood and my grandfather worked for the council. So because of that, we had the only house surrounded by this block. And, um, and that was a big thing. This whole kind of, we were kind of separate, but not separate and part of the whole thing. Anyway. My dad starts, he brings in Irish whiskey into Southern Africa. So we, we blow up. We literally become bootleggers. We go from, from restaurant to restaurant saying, can we get an Irish coffee? They bring it over. He sips it. He goes, that's not Irish coffee. They bring out the whiskey. He goes, that's Scottish whiskey. Have you tried this? It's called Jameson's. And also Jameson's. I've got this American thing called wild turkey bourbon. And they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And he's like, I have a whole bunch of it in my car. And we go back <laughs> and we get it. So eventually we move, we get out. And, and my dad says to me, um, never go back. Like, that's the only rule. Never go back. I'm 12 years old. We've just moved to this new area. I miss my friends. I miss my area. And I think, I'm going to go back. So I, I, you know, jump a bus and I jump a train and I get back to my area and I go tell my friends, listen, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And uh, and they're like, blood in, blood out. And I was like, I don't know. What what does that mean? Is that like a new thing that's mm. come up out of somewhere? And, uh, and next thing I know. Because you left the neighborhood. Because you leave the neighborhood and yeah. you, you cut yourself to come in. And they've got to get something when you go out. But I didn't realize that they kill you when wow. you leave. So, yeah, they, they stripped a gun in front of me. And it was so quick. It was unbelievable. And it was myself and, and something, so a friend of mine. And uh, um, put the gun back together and shot me. But like in seconds. It was literally like bam, 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 boom, boom, two shots. And I remember just thinking, this is insane. Now, I've, I've, I've got to stop the story here because this is the story I tell everyone, okay? And it's 80% true. The 20% that isn't true, I only do because my dad was going to, was, listens to some of the shows that I'm on and I never wanted to upset him. But the 20% that isn't true is the woman that ran that gang was my mother. Wow. Yeah. So she ran a little gang in my neighborhood. So she was the actual woman that shot me. She's also the woman that kidnapped me. She's not the person that stabbed me, thank God. Um, so you were, wait, hold on. Whoa, she shot but you? She shot me. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty frightening. That's heavy. But, but was, she, was it like this was teaching you a lesson? Was that like no? Yeah, that, she was like that, we, she, she was going to kill me. Straight gangster. Oh, she's she's so, OG. Whoa. She was so full this, on. Like, this is like the craziest gangster. movie I've ever I know, seen. In my I was going to yeah, say she's she was a where did you get hit? Mutter. So two shots through the chest. I got two bullet holes. Um, and we call it so it, it goes in like a coin, comes out like a cash register. Right. So it's a hollow point bullet. So as it goes in, it oh, opens yeah, up yeah. and then comes out the back. And so this is this is nineteen ninety. This is. This is 1990, so a lot of you are still stains in your father's pants. But <laughs> was like 10, this is, bro. Yeah, so sorry, man. So like, as I'm sitting in the hospital, I'm bleeding out. I'm holding my, my finger to the bullet wound, thinking that's going to stop it. My, my T-shirt is covered in blood, and I'm sitting in this corridor. And just so happens there was a gang war the same day in the hospital. And running towards me is Pamela Anderson from Baywatch. Thank God. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. She got a little red bikini Again. bottom massive chest bouncing towards me. Mm. And as it's coming closer, I'm saying, wow, God, slowly, you've sent right? an angel. Very yeah. slowly. Yeah. You've sent an angel to take me. Thank God it's Pam Lance. <laughs> take me with you. Just take me home. And as <laughs> it gets to me, on your <laughs> as it gets to me, it's my dad. It's my dad's face Wait. with Pamela's body. And I'm really? thinking, I'm bleeding out, right? I'm dying. This yeah, is hallucination. Yeah, 100%. And then my dad starts talking and he's, he's crying and he's like, how oh, many have you been shot? And I, oh, what's going on? Have you been helped? And I'm like, dad, dad, do you know that you, you, you're not wearing any pants? And he's like, 
I'm a lifesaver. I'm wearing red Speedos. And my dad's a bodybuilder. She's got this massive chest. And my brain, lots of, lots of blood, 12 years old, slightly horny. It's like, it must be about, those are nipples. I can see nipples. I can hardly see my dad because he's wearing a budgie smuggler. And it's ice cold in the hospital, according to him. And he's like running to save me from the beach. And uh, anyway, he gets, gets a doctor and the doctor puts me in a chair. And he's like, why is he on a chair? And they're like, well, because the bullet goes through your lung and you bleed to death internally. And I didn't have medical aid. And in South Africa, you've, if you've got medical aid, you'll be saved. And if you don't, if you can't pay for medical, they put you in this your chair. This is in South Africa. This is in South Africa, oh, okay. yeah, in, in, this, in the hood. Um, and, uh, and he was like, what can I do? And they were like, get more money, get good medical aid. And he was like, well, how long is that going to take? And they were like, you'll die before you get good medical aid. So that's it. And, uh, and he ran out and he saw a loan shark and he got some cash and he got me in the car and we took me to a private hospital. And I, I, I just lay there. And it's funny because I was, I was talking to this woman yesterday about it. And I was saying... When you're going to die, people talk about the memories, you know, the flashes, you'll see the, the moments. But what you what I got is regret. Just so much regret. The first girl I never kissed in primary school. Mm. The, the you know, not holding hands. The, the just so many things. Like telling my dad I loved him. Hugging my family enough. Um, and I made all these promises. I was like, if I survive this, I'm going to travel nonstop. If I survive this, I'm going to be a millionaire. If I survive this, I'm going to, you know, just anything I, I think of, I'm going to do, no matter how ridiculous, crazy, stupid, mad. If I if I put down that I'm going to meet the Dalai Lama, I'm going to meet the freaking Dalai Lama because I've only got one shot at this. Like, And this is my, it's my third time that I was on death's door. And I was I was just like, that's enough now. Three times is, is too many times. Wow. And that's that's been a catalyst to almost everything I've done. Like, even if I'm nervous before something, I always think to myself, you know, you should have been dead at 12. So this is this is mm. all bonus time. Just do as much as you can, and, and you know you're not going to get out alive. And so I'd like you, to think that Pamela really saved you. Oh my God, yeah. I'm be <laughs> when I when I met Pamela Anderson, she did a club <laughs> opening in London, and uh, and I went over. Did and you I tell her like, the story. I told her the story. No. <laughs> <laughs> and she said she took. She, she just started giggling, and she's like, "Oh, that's so sweet." And and what was your dad's legs like? And I was like, really small. Like he's a tank top bodybuilder, so it's all about uh, chest, shoulders, arms, stomach. I was like, he doesn't care about his legs. Um, and she's like, "Oh wow, what are they? In, what are they, what are the breasts look like?" And I was like, "I don't really sure. Can I see yours? Yeah, like, yeah, compare yeah, like, them. Compare and contrast." She's like, yeah, go out and yeah. buy a Playboy magazine, dude. Um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a hell of a thing. It was a definite thing. So, you, so awesome. that definitely propelled you oh, wow, and yeah. motivated the hell out of you. Massively. Yes. See, that's all we got to do is get shot. I guess. <laughs> and then I think we'll be, we'll be good. Yeah, I think, I think you guys are doing we'll well. You've been shot out of a cannon. Absolutely. No. How, how long ago was it when we, you and I first connected? It's been, it's been, uh, oh, wow. It's been almost two years, wasn't it? So, the first, do you remember? Yeah, do you remember? 100%. Yeah. So, my, um, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife said, um, so have you seen this guy on, on Instagram? Uh, we love to hate Adam. And I was like, no, I don't really look at dudes on Instagram. <laughs> um, in fact, I got a funny story for Sal and this is that exact same thing. So anyway, she's like, you got to see him because he's done the same thing as you. He's like, he's blown up and he's planning to lose weight. And I was like, well, I've never been in great shape. And she was like, well, he's got a plan to be in really great shape and he's done it before. He's a personal trainer and it looks like he's in gym membership or something. Or well, he's mentioned gym. So I started following you like immediately going, you know, good luck, take care. But then I kind of just watched. And next thing I knew, you were just like, fuck me just incredible and I was like holy <laughs> shit and then I kept checking it out and then because I'm on Instagram I'm looking at girls whatever so all of a sudden like my wife it shows happens. me this picture of Cell and she goes so you're following these girls I'm following this guy named Cell and I'm like wait doesn't Cell know Adam and she's like hashtag level up and I was like hey there's the same kind of community 
and then that was the whole thing. And I was like following you, and I was following you, and I was following you. And you guys started mentioning Justin, and I started following Justin. Yeah. And then I started watching the I whole thing. I came in as the side piece. You, you did come yeah. in as the, the side piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very ongoing thing. Yeah. yeah. And then you started mentioning just like all kinds of things. And, and my wife's obsessed with bulldogs. Uh, and I, my last car was your exact car. Oh, no way. So she was like, is that the same car you used to have? And I was like, yeah, he does. Like, that's amazing. And I wasn't on Instagram before that. Like, Instagram wasn't a thing. And I watched it even with yours. You started with like one-liners in your description, right. Sal. And next thing you know, you had like full stories, which you had right from the beginning. You always had it like a narrative. Yeah, It was this constant story you were on. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, and I don't know if you've had this in the mind from episode and I've missed it. Where did, where did We Love to Hate Adam come from? Ah, so uh, <laughs> it started in the company that we all used to work for. We all used to work uh, for 24 Hour Fitness. And um, I kind of... Uh, all of us had done really well. Um, I had uh, I had set a bunch of records in my company, and at one point, I kind of got blackballed. I made a really stupid decision when I was uh, God, I was twenty twenty three years old. I was managing, and uh, I had already bought my house at that time. And I used to bring my staff over for you know w- once every like quarter or so, and I'd throw a big barbecue and this and that cocaine and, parties. <laughs> they, they actually really they, they really were they were really low key. I mean, and they, I normally would host it around a UFC fight or something. It was just an opportunity for me to kind of you know uh, take care of them and stuff like that and keep that bond and relationship. And you know, I never really thought nothing. And there was always alcohol there, but it was not like a rager. I wasn't throwing a big party. And there was this uh, this one time that I did, and one of my uh, front desk girls uh, uh, ended up filing for rape against one of my trainers who supposedly wow. forced himself on her it, on my property. And it was outside my house, but it was right outside my house. It was during my event and everything. And uh, I almost lost my job. And the only reason why I didn't lose my job was because I was a top performer in the area. And at that point, uh, from that point on in my career, I was always kind of blackballed. I was because uh, I when I originally got into the company, I, I had ambitions to be a vice president and I wanted to move all the way up. I was very ambitious at a young age and uh, thought it was something that I, I was on the on route to do. And it wasn't until probably my mid to later 20s that I realized that, you know, I was never going to go anywhere with this company because, you know, I was I was blackballed for what happened. They were going to keep me because I produced so much revenue. Absolutely. And so that kind of started when you became a dick. Yeah. Well, you know, that's (laughs) probably I bet you. Well, yeah, you know, there's, I, right, <laughs> right around right around 25, 26, uh, you know, I started to real. I, that's when it kind of hit me that like I'm not going anywhere, and it was it was probably uh, best and worst time of my life uh, because what had happened to me was I it just I realized that I was no longer going to grow within this company, and because I wasn't going to grow within them, I had allowed them to keep myself from growing internally. And at that moment, that's when I really started reading and I started like reaching out and thinking outside the box and started starting other little businesses. And I'm like, all right, I'll work here and I'll make my decent money working for this company. But I'm no longer going to look at this as like my end all. And I'm going to be looking for other things and continue to grow myself. And, you know, and so then I always had this kind of chip on my shoulder that, uh, you know, they would they would never fire me. They would never get rid of me because I outproduced anybody and everybody in the area. Um, and I kind of carried myself that way where it's like, OK, well, you're going to get just enough out of me that I outproduce everybody. But you're not going to get all of me because, you know, I you don't deserve it. And so uh, we always had this. We love to hate my boss. I get all of you. All time. <laughs> my boss, my boss hated me and loved me at the same time. I pushed back on everything. Anytime he rolled out something or he wanted us to adhere to something, I was always the guy that said, fuck that. I'm doing it my way. And I always did it my way and I always did it better than everybody else did. And so it was kind of like this 
constant yeah. like butting heads, but yeah. then allowing me to. We're do all whatever. kind of horrible with authority. <laughs> Picking up on that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it and it just and it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, and and then I turned it into a business with my clients because I used to talk to them about that when we we'd be training. I say, you know, love uh, hate me today, love me tomorrow. You know, because you're gonna hate me while I'm pushing you through your workouts, but you're gonna love me when you see the change in the results. Yeah. So then it kind of just stuck, and then my clients would always say that, "Oh, we love to hate you. Oh, we love to hate you." And so that's when I when I started my my business, I started it under We Love to Hate. It. I kind of already had the reputation, and then it just kind of took off. And then uh, what Instagram, and of course, when I first started on social media, that a lot of people didn't know the origins of it, and you know, uh, it, it rubbed some people the wrong way because, you know, they figured it was very egotistical and whatever. You know, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so uh, at the end of the day, it's... it's it, dicks. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's 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 uh, what motivates me. To, it, I like it when somebody, uh, you know, underestimates me or, or, or thinks that way. I mean, it's always, uh, it's always stuck with me. And I feel like it, it's, it doesn't matter what I've been doing or what company I'm working for or a part of. I kind of find myself in that situation and it's, it's hard. And I, and I feel like, uh, all, all like type a personalities, I feel like can kind of relate. Mm. And I feel like if, whenever you work for somebody or a company, um, you don't quite, you want a guy almost like me, but not quite like me because a guy like me needs freedom. And I want, I want to do what I want to do and I want to create and I want to evolve and most companies don't want that. Most companies want you to fall in line. If a company's smart and they get people like you, they make sure they pay you and they promote you and 100%. they give you lots and lots and lots of opportunities because otherwise that person's going to learn and they're going to leave. Yeah. And I'd have people and take like people that. With them. Yeah. I'd have people like that work for me. I'd hire people. You know, there's a few general managers I promoted because I'd hire them. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to keep them in my gym. This person's way too good. I'm going to move, promote them and get them to move on and up mm-hmm. on their own. That way the company can keep them at least. You're also smart and talented, so you understand that and see right, that, you know, right. that's uh, very... I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and so humble. Yeah. Super yeah. humble. And the only reason Absolutely. why I, I really got rid of We Love to Hate was because uh, at one point, and then when I got into competing, uh, I even had that chip on my shoulder in competing. So even when I was competing, I, I chose to go the path with, you know, everybody gets a coach, everyone has a coach, everyone yeah. has a team, you know, that's all part of the the politics in it. You could That way you can politic and rub elbows with the right people yeah. and they, they know you're sponsored by this. And uh, I, I chose to, I wanted to do it all alone. I wanted to do it the hard. And everybody thought I was crazy. When I first said I was going to set out, do this, they're like, you've never competed before. One, you're going to coach yourself. Two, you think you're, you're no sponsor, no team, no nothing. You ain't going to do shit, which of course that just motivated me even more, <laughs> you know, to, to do that. And, you know, and, and long story short, that's why I'm kind of, I went through the whole league like that. And to me, it was, uh, it was never like I had this you know, burning desire to be a, co- a competitor or anything like that. And we're kind of on to the next thing. And once Mind Pump grew from that and it actually outgrew uh, my name and reputation in competing, it was like, okay, well, that, that was what it was all about originally. It was always mm-hmm. about this ultimate goal of what we're doing now. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you again about uh, as far as like you're creating this app, right? Mm. Um, the process with getting venture funded, angel funding, like self funding. Yeah, I know that's these tracking. are topics you brought up on your podcast, yeah. and you know myself included. I'm going through this process as well, like self funding, and then you know considering all these options that are out there. Uh, I know you had some people on the show giving you um, one side of the coin versus yep. the other. Like, what what is your opinion as it as it sits right now with that? So my opinion as it sits now is prove cost of client acquisition hmm. like and, and uh, you know um explain that so okay so mark cuban's big thing is it's not about the idea it's not about can you action it it's not about can you create it it's about how much does it cost to get the first client to buy it 
So let's say, let's perfect example, um, no BS abs, right. mind pump. So if you work out, how much does it Thanks cost you plug, to get, yeah, it's an right. absolute pleasure, yeah. my favorite thing. Great. Closest <laughs> I've ever been to a six pack. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so, so you look at how much does it cost you to get that first person to buy the product and then to grow the product, right? So let's say um, it takes five of these shows, five hours of time, plus editing, plus everyone coming down here, plus you stop working and everything else that you're doing to be here. Times it by four, what is the exact value of that to sell one? Now, work that by how many you've sold, how much time you've given it, what does it work out to per piece? So that's what Mark Cuban does for every single piece of business he looks at. He looks at what is the cost of client acquisition? They call it clack, and clack is a massive word at the moment. Mm. The second piece is the education piece. Okay, so not the cost of them buying it, but the cost of them understanding what you're doing. So, you know, and, and again, with, with like losing weight, it's a lot easier because we all know what that is or getting in shape. But maybe something like Uber is a big education piece or famously PayPal. So PayPal, great example. He gave $10 to every single person because he was like, well, that's it. All I need to do is I'll tell you, hey, you know, join wow. PayPal, get $10. Mm-hmm. Shit, that cost me nothing. The banks have kind of used that model too, right? 100%. Yeah. And, it, and, and cell phone companies, same thing too. They give you $50 mm-hmm. credit on your cell. Yeah, no, for so sure. So that you so you buy it. And then also that gives you the third thing, which Seth Godin calls the stickiness factor. So that's why Instagram became so big because I'd get on Instagram and I'd be like, dude, you need to be on Instagram. So then oh, I'll get to Instagram and I'll tell my friend. And there's a sticky mm-hmm. sort of thing mm-hmm. of growth. And the stickiness helps with your co- client cost of acquisition because I'm no longer paying you to, to get someone else on board. You're telling someone else and they're telling someone else. So when I first started and I was talking to everyone about funding and what should I do and how should I fund and should I get investors and I've got this guy who's interested, I know this millionaire and da, 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 da. And they were like, honestly? And I was like, yeah, honestly, what should I do? And they were like, honestly, get the first hundred clients. Like, that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm charging a thousand dollars a client, hundred clients. That's 10K. Mm-hmm. If I can prove I can do 10K, I can prove I can do 100K. If I can prove I can 100K, I can get a million bucks. If I can get a million, I can get 10 million. Mm. Jesus, more of a ladder. So that's all it is. Yeah, it's that it's that first piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to interview this woman called Hermani Way. And Hermani Way came up with a vibrator called the We Vibe. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what that is. Tell me about it. You know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I love how Sel straightened his legs when he said that. He's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly what that is. I'm using it right now. Just, <laughs> clenched a little bit there. You can use your yeah. cell phone to turn it on, gentlemen. You can't right. actually use it. Did I'll you, call you, you really right know now. about this yet? I know a lot of random Dude, shit. Wait, wow. wait, 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 wait. That's real? That's a real oh, thing. So she, so Sal. she invented this thing because she had a boyfriend in in London. And she was in Silicon Listen, Valley. I know a lot of random, <laughs> random, random shit. Yeah, You've proven that time okay. and time again. Of course, you know yeah. that one. So instead of going to funding, she did the whole thing herself. She bootstrapped it from nothing to a million in sales in mm-hmm. a year. Um, That's just awesome. online revenue. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. But now, then she immediately got funding. She got funding for fifteen million. Because it was like, well, you've, you've proved the concept. You've proved client acquisition. How much did she, she keep as far as equity? And well, all that? weirdly enough, she had a long-term plan. Okay. So if you look up Hermione Way today, mm-hmm. um, she is CEO of Tinder for ah. Europe. So that was her long-term plan. Mm-hmm. If she can show that she can do it herself on her own product, she could go and join a global franchise like Tinder, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah. And then go, well, I can do it for you. And mm-hmm. obviously earn more, mm-hmm. not have the sleepless nights, be a full-time mom, well, part-time mom. Okay. So she's a mumpreneur. Yeah, it's an interesting strategy. I so, like so the I, the best from what everything I could find out, and from everyone I spoke to, the best way to raise money for any given product is prove you can make money from yeah. the product first. I mean, that's that's a lot of like what I've heard. I mean, and especially to to in order to like proof of concept, right? I mean, how, how else are you going to do that other than actually showing sales and yeah. showing 
um, the the need and the market value of it. I mean, you can't establish that unless you put it out there in the market and let them determine that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah there, there has to be some element of self-funding, but then, you know, maybe you you visit that as you as you look for growth right yeah yeah well the, the, we're talking about this today i was talking to these these massive investors and um they were explaining the difference between a 90s kid and a millennial so a 90s kid does what they call the field of dreams creation you mm. heard of this no so any guess what field of dreams you creation build it, is? they will come boom yeah. oh, okay. okay so we from the 90s and stuff we build a product we think it's amazing we stick it to market mm-hmm. and we wait for them to come and get it Y Combinator, Google's genius Hogwarts for startups, <laughs> says, bullshit, you put it out there like it exists and you let the market respond. And if the market comes back and says, we all want Mind Pump's product, you go out and you create the Mind Pump product. But mm-hmm. you don't make it first because why are you wasting the time? It might not work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just had a paradigm exactly. destro- destruction right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, the whole the When whole we turn these mics off, I'm writing some shit on that board. <laughs> I can listen. I said this, actually. I think I wrote yeah. this to Justin on his on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Is the best thing about the, and I'm sure you guys find this for the podcast. The best thing about the podcast for me is that I've been able to talk to such incredible minds about parts of business I would never learn on my own. Mm-hmm. Like as successful I've been, it's 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 in a bubble. I'm only learning about my one piece of information, my one piece, you know, about whatever I'm doing, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing an MBA. I'm not sort of you know meeting these incredible lecturers and reading great course material and. But now by interviewing people who are top VCs or who own incredible products. So much oh, better. Wealth of oh my God. So much yeah. better that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, and they've done it. They've been in the trenches. Yeah. Exactly. And although everyone keeps talking it's about reliable. now the, the buzzword of, you know, you learn from your failures, what they've said to me is bullshit. You learn from your successes. Yeah. Every time you get it right, you do it again. Mm-hmm. How often, you know, do mm-hmm. you go back and go, oh, I need to remember that one time I, I shouldn't have put really small stick-ons. I should have really used a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even waterproof. Um, but our YouTube numbers are really high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so that, that has been a big piece, like this whole thing of testing, testing, testing. MVP, minimum viable product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get it to market, test the crap out of it, bring it yeah. back. So, uh, Jay, how old are you? How old are you? So I'm 40 years old. As okay, so... Uh, you know, being being our age, even a little bit older than us, uh, you know, how fascinated are you with the whole social media and oh how business God, is yeah. evolving that way? Like, uh, well, like you said, like Twitter really is your it's, your it's my channel, medium. right? Yeah, yeah, number one in the world now, nine months longest on the I'm longest ever in Twitter's lifespan in events, influential in events. I'm number one in the world. I've only got like I think it was forty four thousand followers, hmm. um, but like, and I was saying this to someone the other day, they were like, "Oh, how come you got forty four thousand? You're number one in the world." And, I've got a million and I'm, I'm number three in the world. And I was like, well, who would you rather be? Hitler or Jesus? Jesus had 12 followers and he was a powerful dude. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. Kaboom. Bam. Oh. Head explode. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the mic right there, dude. Yeah. I'm, out of here. I'm walking on I'm walking on water, I'm, son. I'm gone, man. That's right. And, and he was like, if I tell, if I, you know, if I tell my followers to to go on Instagram or check something out, they go and check it out. Where you tell your followers. And you've got maybe a hundred thousand spam bots there it is. who aren't doing yeah. a thing. So, right. so, so that social media is gigantic to me because I mean it's created this. I met my wife through social media. I did an event for Burberry. Really? For social, yeah. Oh, so that's like, awesome. so I, 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 my girlfriend at the time was dating this Dutch model, and she went to this event in my proxy. I couldn't go. I was doing something else. She came home. And she said, "I just saw the six foot one blonde that would." In fact, I lie. She went the six foot one redhead that will blow your top. In fact, you'll marry mm-hmm. her one day. And I was like, 
give me a number. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe the three of us can have a dinner and we could like chat. And she was like, it's not going to happen. It's not, I know I'm Dutch, but it's not going to happen. And uh, I tried to get a digits. And I couldn't get a digits. And eventually a friend of mine was at the same party. And I was like, do you have this, this girl? She's like six, one bright red hair, blue eyes. And he's like, oh, I know exactly who it is, but she only dates the stereotype. And I was like, well, what's the stereotype? He's like, Got to be six foot four and above. Got to be American. Got to have bulldogs. So I was really peeved when my wife started following you, Adam <laughs> I Schaefer. See, I see where all And then this I was, I was really happy when I checked up cell stats and I was like, he's, he's not over six two. I'm more dead. <laughs> um, and she only dated like US Marines, firemen, army officials, all from like Georgia, Washington, New York City. So I, I, as I couldn't get hold of her, couldn't get hold of her. And anyway, it was the it was the World Cup. It was 2006, I think it was. And uh, it's 2009. And I did an event for the Great Ormond Street Hospital, uh, Reach for a Dream Foundation, which is a bunch of kids who are dying. And they wanted to go to a premiere. And I organized premieres all the time. So I went to a film company and there's a film called Goal 3. And we got the premiere of, of the, comp- the thing and the, the, all the actors standing up, the director and the kids came. And as the kids came, I said, can we put the house lights on? And the house lights on. And the whole back line was the entire English football team from like David Beckham to Rio Ferdinand to Alex Ferguson to like every major football hero. And the kids were getting mad. And I wrote a story called I Met David Beckham. And the whole point of the story was, well, I met David Beckham. I don't really care about the story. Like that, that's the point. Like I met David fucking Beckham. And, um, and, she, and I said, all I need to meet now is Sean Connery and the Queen. And I've met like everyone on my bucket list. And this girl tweeted, I've met Sean Connery. And it was this, the picture of this redhead, blue eyes. Still got it on my phone. Random. And I was like, boom. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.